Good evening and welcome to our uh, midweek service. Uh, uh, we actually have been talking about, uh, I keep my promises. I want to thank uh, Minister Lamar and Zipporah for doing a good job and sharing on Sunday. We were out of town. Um, uh, probably had an opportunity to see my nephew play in Minnesota. So, uh, so we... Uh, but we appreciate uh, uh, having good people available to uh, yield to God and share a good word. All right, so let's get let's get into this teaching. I keep my promises, and I know it's I know it's uh, tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and and you know, um, you know sometimes we have a customized Thanksgiving message, but in all honesty, um, I keep my promises is a Thanksgiving message. <laughs> We should really be appreciative and thanking God for keeping his promises. Um, so let's, let's get into what God wants us to talk about today. Let's go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, and we're going to start at verse 5. Hebrews 13, verse 5. It said, let your conversation. Now, that word conversation in the Greek means manner of living, how you live your everyday life. So, so um, we can even say lifestyle. Um, but let your conversation or your lifestyle, your manner of living be without covetousness. You know, you know, this, you know, covetousness is, is uh, not, not being happy with what God has afforded you, but almost always wanting what someone else has um, to a point of uh, willing to harm them to take it, <laughs> right? It says, so, so let this life be without covetousness. And then it says after the semicolon, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my help and I will not fear what man can do unto me. And see, so, so God is saying, I'll never leave you, I'll forsake you. And that's something he promises. And he said, I keep my promise. And we're in a position where we can say the Lord is our helper. If we need something, God will come through. So we need not to fear what man can do unto us. And I think when we, when we introduce this fear into our lives, um, it's, it, that's what short circuits our ability to understand or to believe or to stand still or to be patient and wait on the promises of God. Uh, let's, uh, I was thinking through this because I actually got this from Zamir. Uh, so, you know, last Wednesday at the end of service, we share stuff. So Zamir didn't come up and share, but at the end, he came up to me. He says, well, Pastor, what I was going to share was I was thinking about when you was talking about promises, I was thinking about uh, uh, knowing the rainbow. And see, so, so the whole, let's look here real here, Genesis 9. Genesis 9, we'll start here. All right, so, so of course, you know, uh, you have the flood, and then you had the flood ending in chapter 8. Then God, of course, if he's resetting stuff, he's resetting his covenant. Now, um, he's, he, so, so interesting enough, you'll find, I know we take things back to Abraham, but God has been trying to establish his covenant and his promises 
from the beginning, you know. You know, even when he said, hey, have dominion, be fruitful, multiply, replenish. And, he's, you know, he gave them a responsibility in the garden. You know, God is, hey, I created man. He just wanted to pour out all his love on man because God is love. And love just wants to give. Love, God, God is, he doesn't act in love. God is love. And the number one attribute of love is giving. So you, you always want to do for. Um, you don't need nothing in return. You just want to do for. So God's been doing this for a while. And so, so in Genesis 9, you know, he kind of said, okay, we're going to reset things, and I want, you to, want to show you guys how to operate. Verse uh, 7, it says, and you, look, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. So, so it's what he said in Genesis 1, right? Comes right back here in Genesis 9 to establish things. Same thing, be fruitful, multiply, replenish. But he says, bring forth abundantly. So God wants us to operate in abundance. Like the, he wants us to produce more than enough so other people can be impacted, right? And then he says, uh, verse 8, it says, And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And behold, I will establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. So, so extend it way beyond you. And with every living creature that is with you of the fowl, of the cattle, of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that, that is with you for, look, for per perpetual generations. So it wasn't just something he was saying to them. He was like, for perpetual generations, generation after generation after generation after generation, right? He says, and I do set, look, look, I do set my bow or my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Oh, so this is like back in the day in Genesis and stuff like that. This thing rainbows. So, so, so God established a promise, kept this promise, showed how he was going to represent the promise, and he's continually spitting out rainbows to this day. Right? Why? Because God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. And so, so, so what is the struggle here? Like, there's so much evidence to, to validate uh, in our practical life, in our spiritual life, and in the history of life, that God keeps his promises. And so, so, so what is going on with us? Like, what is going on with us where we get antsy, we get impatient, we try to put our hands on stuff, we, we, we haven't valued the, the, the benefit of being in the waiting in God's presence? Well, we, have to f we must fight the intimidation of uncertainty. We must fight the intimidation of uncertainty. Remember uh, uh, when uh, Pastor Dent, uh, when, when him and Pastor Val was uh, starting Merging Ministries, was one of his first questions, he says, well, Pastor Keith, what, what did you do with the uncertainty? Because there's uncertainty attached to every moving forward. You know, the song by Maverick City called New Wine, he was like, you know, just do the new, just bring the new wine through me. Bring, bring, bring what's new, you know. 
Now, you can't put new wine in old wineskins is what the Bible says. But when God says in Isaiah, he wants to do a new thing. Well, anytime God's doing something on the earth and, his, his, and he's put this creative gene in us, you know, God is a creator, not a perverter. The devil twists what's already been created. God creates what's never been seen through us. So he's given us this, uh, this creative ability. And so when he's moving to fulfill his promises, which hasn't happened yet, through us, we got to see the unseen. We got to believe for something that hasn't happened, and we got to take steps in directions that we've never taken before. It's a whole nother world for us. Um, And the first thing the adversary tries to offer uh, in compromise to what God's trying to do is uncertainty. Hey, haven't seen this before. How do you know this is possible? There's a chance this may not be happening. And see, so uncertainty does something. It opens the door for fear and panic. Uncertainty opens the door for fear and panic. Right? And see, fear and panic will have you asking everybody to confirm your direction. The sanctified as well as the unsanctified. You ever see, you know, somebody operating in fear and panic? Or when we've operated in fear and panic, it's like, so what do you think? So what do you think? So what do you think? And we're not even vetting whether this person is set apart and listening to God. We just like, sometimes we ain't even looking for the truth. We're looking for someone to confirm whatever is comfortable for us. You know what I'm saying? And so, so, so we must find our peace, not in this this sanctified or unsanctified, we must find our peace in God's word. So here, God's the one that made the promise. So it's almost like uh, you find out you're an heir, right? You are an heir, right? And you have an inheritance, right? And then you find out that it's time for you to receive your inheritance. So they, you know, they, 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 they call you to, to, uh, to the executors of the inheritance and stuff, and they break down what the will and testament is. So what, do you, what you get, right? You're not going to listen? Or when they tell you, you're going to be like, man, get out of here. I don't believe that. That's how we roll it? They're telling you what you get in the wheel, <laughs> right? And you're going to sit there and go, now, nah, I don't really need to hear, listen to this. It's not important to me. And then when you, if you do hear it, you're going to be like, man, I don't believe that. That's what you're going to do? They're sitting there telling you what's yours. You get the house. You get the land. Oh, there's uh, $17 million in the bank that's yours too. And you're going to be like, man, I'm out of here. Or you're going to be like, okay, so where do I sign to get my stuff, right? Well, here's a will and testament right here. <laughs> it's been breaking down to us in specific detail. What's ours? Are we ignoring it? You're not going to read your will and testament? You're not going to read what you, what you get to inherit? And then when you read it, you're not going to believe it? What are we doing? (laughs) Right? Old and new what? Testament, right? Right? I just look here, uh, Isaiah 53. I know we've been referencing this scripture a lot, but let's look at it again. Isaiah 53. Right, we're talking about God keeping his promises, right? So Isaiah 53, it says, who has believed our report and to whom 
is the arm of the Lord revealed. So, so you know, you always hear whose report shall you believe? I shall believe the report of the Lord. I say, that's, a, that's a song y'all used to sing back in the day, right? You know, and so, so here, who shall believe this will and testament, right? See, God's word is the reality that our heart is truly searching for. So even, you know, you see people, you know, they get, they, they, they get, is somebody wear this? Yeah, they get, um, sorry about that. They get, um, uh, how can I put it? People, this uncertainty has people second guessing, so they, they you know, you want some type of assurance and confirmation. What do you think? Or what do you think? Or what do you think? Or what do you think? And the reality is our heart is searching for a resting place. But the resting place it's searching for is God's word. Because that's the confirmation of what God has said and what God has promised. Right? So faith in God's promises is not always found in family and friends. Though we, though we think we'll find peace and safety there. You know, sometimes you, something in our minds is because this person is blood, this, this information is accurate. Not necessarily. If they've taken their blood and they've gone through a transfusion in God, it may be. <laughs> but just because they blood or, or because you've been around this person your whole life. But, no, that's my boy, you know. You know, this was, that's my boy. Dang, no, 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 no. That's not the, the litmus test. The litmus test is the confirmation of the word, Right? See, when we embrace God's word of truth, right, it does something to us. The future is filled with promise. See, once I embrace the truth, my future is filled with promise. So I'm excited now. Now my present is rich with expectation. See, once I recognize the promises are, are there and I know God keeps his promises, now my present is not depressing. Is rich with expectation. My past is lined up with inspiration. Once I start embracing God's word of truth. See, see, because this is, this is why we have the Holy Spirit even in our life. See, because the Holy Spirit's unction is what's leading us into God's promises. Remember, he'll show you things to come. It was in John, uh, John chapter 16. He says, now I'm not going to leave you comfortless. See, Jesus understood we, we, we would need insurance and some peace. You know, I have people that allow me to, uh, uh, to be a consultant in their life. But I get it. It's like, oh, I'm about to go into this situation. It seems uncertainty. Let me confirm with somebody I trust that's been spending time with God. And then they feel, oh, my God, like it's confirming something that God had told them and, and, and I wasn't there. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking through the vessel to them. And they're like, oh, my God. Oh, man, I knew it. God was telling me that. Right? And there's something about that. So God is, when Jesus said, hey, 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 I'm not going to leave you comfortable. Because the disciples were living in uncertainty. Jesus shows up, and it's kind of like, they, they, they like rolling like, hey, when in doubt, ask Jesus. <laughs> you know He's like right there. You know, we know whatever he tells us. Like, we could just navigate. There was no, hey, they were, they were weightless, no stress, because Jesus is there. Then Jesus tells Peter, hey, hey, it's expedient that I go. Whoa, whoa, what do you mean you're going? 
What are you doing? No, you can't leave. We're chilling. He says, man, you don't savor the things that be of God. You savor the things that be of man. It's expedient that I go. But I'm not going to leave you comfortless. See, you're worried about me leaving because you think you're going to be without comfort. You believe now you're not going to be able to access God's promises because you won't be able to see him. And I'm not going to leave you coming. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. And he'll show you things to come. But everything he's saying to you are the things that I speak to him. So you're getting, this, you're getting a direct connect, but it's just through the Holy Spirit now, right? And now, now the tough part is we've been denying that unction from the Holy One. We're measuring the unction with with what the world calls reality, not what the word calls reality, right? And so when we deny the Holy Spirit's unction and struggle against the deepest urges of our heart, that's when uncertainty resurrects, right? That's when questioning arises. See, as soon as we deny that unction, now uncertainty starts to be, be play out in our lives. And questioning starts to to, to come, well, uh, should I go? Will I fail? Am I being too patient? Is his promises coming to pass? That's when we ignore that unction, right? The scripture says, don't, don't fight as, uh, what, let's see, what is it? First Corinthians 9. First Corinthians 9. See, the reality is, God has always kept his promises. And our, this, this culture, you know, because of ignorance, doesn't know most of the things that we do cloud us from his promises. And when we're clouded from his promises, we're depressed, we're thirsty, we're frustrated, and the adversary always has, has a vice to try to make us comfortable in the compromise. Compromise being outside of God's promises and his will for our lives which ultimately, which is going to fulfill us. Now, now again, I know a lot of chapter and verse now, but, but when I first really got a hold of, man, I just need to live for God. And I was working in corrections. Uh, my number one thing I used to tell the kids, uh, this is before I even learned learn chapter and script. Think about it. If, you, if you're trying to live a, a fulfilling life and God designed you a certain way, wouldn't you get with the designer? Like, you don't have, that's not, that's not even deep. Like, you don't need scripture for that. You know, like, like, do you go to, like, a Honda dealer to get your Mercedes fixed? Well, who's going to do a better job at it? The designer, right? I mean, they're going to do a better job. The other person may try to do, but they'll do a better job. Right? And so God designed us. Why don't, why don't we go to God? We go to everything but God. And, and so we do these things where we get stuck in this world. I was thinking about this driving just, just a little while ago. I was thinking about like how, because God's been moving. This is good. This is great. Because I'm sure we'll relate. God's been moving. But you, you know how you spend a whole lot of time in bondage in your life? You know, what I mean by bondage, you know, like struggle. How about struggle? Is that good? And so God starts moving and he's relieving the struggle, right? Y'all feeling me so far? But something in your default is looking for the struggle. You remember a long time ago, the Lord was telling us how you get healed and you'd be looking for the pain. 
You know, you'd be like, it was right there. Why are you looking for it? You're healed. Well, God is, is trying to relieve us from the struggle, but we're looking for the bondage. And then, so, 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 stay with me. It's almost like you think you're cheating to be free because you're so used to being bound. You know what I'm saying? So, 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 so it's almost like you, you say, okay, I'm going to enjoy this little moment, but then you're looking around the corner for something to come to, to steal it from you. You, you, you spend most of your time, your, your, your life preparing for this to come than you do expecting this to continue. You see what I'm saying? But God is saying, if not now, when? Like, like do you, you think I gave you a, a lot? I said, I came that you might have life, have it more abundantly. I want to do exceedingly abundantly all that you can ask or think. I've given you richly all things to enjoy, Right? It says you, 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 you come forth sowing seed, crying and weeping. It says when you come back, you'll be in gladness, right? I paraphrased the whole uh, Psalm 126. But what I'm saying is you can't just enjoy life. Something wrong with that? God doesn't want you to enjoy life. He just wants you to, like, taste enjoyment and then look for struggle. Well, keeping it real, if, if struggles are part of your life, why are you looking for it? You ain't even got to look. Right? Why do you have to prepare for it if, if, it's, if it's so much a part of your life? And so God was showing me, me, I don't know if he's showing you. <laughs> he was showing me, he's like, Keith, stop. Just stop. Just enjoy all that I'm trying to do in your life. Now, how about this? You try to enjoy all God's doing in your life, and you don't want to enjoy it too much because other people may feel uncomfortable. So when they're enjoying their life, do they stop their enjoyment to make sure you're comfortable? <laughs> and the thing is, you're not against anything. You're showing the life that God has given you, right? That should impact. Okay. How is that happening? God. What, how, what's going on? Every time I turn around, it looks like something blessed is happening. God. What do you think they're going to do? They're coming to God. But do you think they're coming to God, you walk around depressed and saying Jesus all the time? Was that an amen? <laughs> all right, let's go here. First, first, first Corinthians 9. Now, actually, while I was driving just a little while ago, God told me that. And it just made sense. Because I felt this... this, this uh, this sense of, uh, I guess they call it well-being, it just, just felt great. No particular reason, it just felt great. And the, and the Lord said, don't you look for something else. <laughs> look ahead for more. All right? All right it says, uh, so 1 Corinthians 9, 26, it says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, certainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. And so this, this uncertainty is a part of our life, but, but God, God, has a, uh, God wants us to grab hold. Uh, our, he wants our steps to mean something. Um, he wants us to, to, to continue to progress. Because th th this, is, this is the real part of this. So, so there's some things happening in your lives right now. I know this because God's shown me. Some things have manifested. Some things you haven't really talked about, but things are happening in your life. Right? Even, even some of y'all watching right now. 
And this is the interesting thing. More may be happening in your life that's ever happened, but let me, let, let me I'm going to put it to you in a, in, a, in a particular way. Just work with me here. You behind on what God wants to do in your life. That ain't nothing. What's going on in your life? That ain't nothing. God's like, okay, I mean, you can pump this up as, and be looking for trouble. Why are you looking for trouble? You ain't, ain't nothing really happening. This is the least I can do. So if, you, if you're struggling with this, what you going to do <laughs> when I get rolling? That, that's just a, a, a sprinkle. What you going to do with the showers of blessing? See, the reality is there's always more or less in all of our lives. There's always someone that got less and there's always somebody that got more at every level you go to. So why don't you just embrace what God is doing? Just enjoy it. Give God the glory. If you're going to put effort because you think you're going to lose something, how about just making sure you, you, you follow Deuteronomy 8. Don't forget the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth. Why don't you just do that? No matter what level I go to, I'm not going to stop serving. I'm not going to get too busy in all that I have. That I, I'm not coming to church. I'm not serving in the kingdom. Why don't you maintain your life? In serving in the kingdom, enjoy the riches of God. What's wrong with that? Right? All right, so, 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 so this is going to be a, a whole nother teaching, but the Lord told me to in, 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 inject it here. I hadn't taught it yet, but uh, he was showing me uh, something a while ago. And he said, it fits perfectly when I keep my promises. Believe it or not. That's it. Believe it or not. And, 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 and I'm hoping, God's hoping we believe it, <laughs> right? He's hoping we believe it. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, walk by faith and not by sight. Now, that word walk is an action word. It didn't say rest by faith and not by sight. It didn't say sit by faith and not by sight. It didn't say sleep by faith and not by sight. It says walk by faith and not by sight. So we're constantly walking out faith steps, Right? So, so, so this, this process of, of, of I keep my promises, not letting fear create this uncertainty and the uncertainty coming really to attack our belief system because you have to believe these things. So you remember uh, when, now Jesus had promised some things, right? He said, it's expected that I go, I'm going to die and God's going to raise me from the dead. Now that hadn't happened. So if you're sitting around and you're having this conversation with Jesus and, and he's actually your leader at the time, and he says, okay, hey, you know, now, now and you, everything's going great, you know, and you're benefiting from the things going great in Jesus' life, and Jesus go, okay, now I, I'm going I'm to die. The people that I've just been humiliating, they're going to destroy me. They're going to kill me. You know, I'm, I'm just going to crucify, but God's going to raise me from the dead. <laughs> Are you serious? This is what, this is, be a disciple for a second. He's telling them something that's never happened. And he's telling them something that's going to take away what they've been enjoying, seemingly. Or it's going to put it at risk. So you're just going to allow them to kill you and believe that God's going to bring you back to life. 
<laughs> Is that what we're doing right now? <laughs> but they're going to think they won, and then they're going to start beating us senseless because we've been rolling with you. <laughs> See, they're thinking about their lives. Like, listen, if you leave, these people, hey, hey, I was talking trash to them. <laughs> like, they, you know, I was coming against the top-level hierarchy because I was with you, and you're going to die? And then come back to life. Then he comes back. But everybody wasn't there. And when they told Thomas, man, I believe when I see it. How come he didn't believe it? Because Jesus said it. See, he said, I believe it when I see it. And then when he finally saw Jesus, Jesus was like, come on, man. Hey, you want to touch my side, touch my palm. What? And he said, listen, oh, master, whatever. He was like, he said, man, Thomas, I appreciate you, bro, but blessed is a person that believes and has not seen. And he said, you see and you believe. So you really aren't using any faith. But this life to manifest the promises and the things of God and to believe through the hurdles to get to the promises is going to take faith. That's John 20, 29, right? See, see, even through the, through, through the process, we're not alone. We have to uh, believe God keeps his promises with everything that's coming at us, with some of the things that's happening in this culture and this world. And Acts 28, 4 through 29, when you get a chance, you can read through it. Excuse me. It says, some departed. Everybody didn't stay. It says some departed. To depart, that means you had to be with, right? <laughs> so there was people that went, that, that was rolling, got to a point where they stopped believing the promises based on the circumstances that was presented to them or the temptations that was offered to them. And it says some departed, right? Look, look here, Jude. Let's go to Jude. Second to the last chapter in the Bible. Let's go to Jude. Let's look at verse. Nineteen. And, and this chapter is talking about keeping yourselves in the love of God, basically not abandoning uh, uh this life, you know, or, or getting tempted. And it talks about the, the different ungodly lusts. I'll start at verse 17. It says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before <clears throat> of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. That's what we deal with now. People mock you know, representing Christ, and it's, it's, it's funny. Um, it's a joke. And it says, and, and basically they're mocking because their confidence is in their own lust, the things that they uh, desire, right? That's not in line with God, you know. And, and if they get a, a temporary satisfaction, to them, that's enough to justify us waiting on a fulfillment of God, right? Or God to keep his promises. Look, look. This is verse 19. 
This is what we're focusing on, Jude 1.19. It says, it says, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Right? They, they separate themselves from believing God's promises, getting, getting pulled into sensuality, and of course, eventually sexuality, and losing sight of spirituality so they can't see God's promises. So, so they're not as much against what you believe. They can't see what you believe because it hasn't manifested yet. Remember, like Thomas, I got to see it to believe it. And if they don't see it, it doesn't, to them, it's not real because they're not walking by faith and by sight, which is how we have to operate. See, that's what happened with Judas. Judas lost sight of God keeping his promises quicker than everybody else. You know, you know, the scripture says Enoch was and was not. What it meant was he was so uh, walking in the natural and he walked right out of the natural into the spirit of God. Judas did the opposite. Judas was with Christ and then he was not. <laughs> he allowed himself to get tempted out of believing the promise. Because if you believed everything Christ said, what could tempt you? Some silver? A few pieces of silver? How, how could that tempt you if you believe God? Some extra overtime? Like, how could that tempt you if you really believe God? Right? This is the thing for us to abandon believing God keeps his promises we have to lose our belief to abandon God's promises. And so when the adversary understands that he has to tempt us with uncertainty, he has to tempt us to pull us into fear and panic and to compromise, right? Remember, uh, God spoke. He's just, he's just keeping his promises. He's just keeping the promises that he gave to Abraham. You know, <clears throat> the promises made to Moses and all of them. And so he says, okay, that's the land I told you he was going to get. So they send spies. First of all, God really tells you why you even send spies. But, <laughs> you know, they send spies. So, so they sent 12, represent all the tribes. Only two came back and believed, Caleb and Joshua. And the reason why the other ones didn't believe because they saw giants in the land. You remember that the, the angels had got, had, it was, started, it was intimate with men, and they produced these giants. And so they saw giants in the land. They said, we're, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Didn't nobody in the land call them grasshoppers? They saw themselves as grasshoppers when they saw the giants. And so, <clears throat> so the, the scripture says they all came back with an evil report except for Caleb and Joshua. And if you, it's, uh, that's uh, Numbers 13.33, Numbers 14.1-13, if you start reading through that, you'll see how God was not pleased with their unbelief. God is not pleased when we don't believe he keeps his promise. How do you feel when you promise someone something and they don't believe you? Or they do the opposite. Hey, tell you what, I'll be there at three. You show up at three, they're gone. You call them and go, okay, listen, I got through traffic. I, I scheduled everything. I'm here. Where are you? Well, I didn't think he was coming, so I caught another ride. How do you feel when someone doesn't believe you keep your promise? 
Or they question your integrity. That's a good one. How do you feel somebody question your integrity? I, I, hey, hey, listen. I just need you to do this. You do this, uh, I promise I'll do this. Nah, man, I'm not doing it. I don't believe you. How you feel? God has gave us promises. We operate. Well, I didn't think he was coming through. Remember, I think that's the, the biggest thing with presumption with Saul. Remember, uh, you know, Samuel's on the way. He didn't believe he was, <laughs> was going to make it. So he, he compromised. He decided, you know, bring me to Ephod. <laughs> I'll be the priest today. Right? What do we do when we panic because we don't believe God keeps his promise? Think about our lives. You know, some of us that have been around, you know, more than 20 years or so. Uh, more than, we can say more than 18, 19 years. Think of all the dumb things we did because we didn't believe God keeps his promise. Th- think of how you feel when you, okay, God's telling you he's going to give you something. So somebody offers you a way to hustle to get it quicker. Think of how you feel uh, sitting in that room and you trying to finagle this and move this over here and jump this over here. Like, there's no faith involved in that room. Like, you just feel like it's stress. You know, like, you know, you, you know you ever, you've been negotiating for something and they trapped you. You know, they just got you in there. So they said, I will tell you what, you can take this, pay that, do that, move that around over here. Oh, no, no, no. Well, don't worry about it. What we do is we, we you know, we, we, can, uh, we can change your payments. Now you got like an eight years. It's going to take you to pay off this car. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Think of how you felt in those moments. Like you didn't feel the same exhilaration when you was like, ah, I think I'm finally going to get my car. You know, like now it's like, like you feel like you're doing something you ain't supposed to be doing. Right? And, and, but think about when God's been involved. How seamless it's been. Like, you want it, this can't be happening. It can't be that easy, right? Because God's involved, right? Because God keeps his promises. So, so we don't want to um, allow this uncertainty to tempt us with unbelief and to um, pull us out of the presence of God. Remember, remember uh, it said uh, oh, Jesus came to the town, couldn't do many miracles, and he marveled at their unbelief. It's like, man, God has promised you everything that I'm showing up to do. This is uh, Mark chapter 6, 4 through 6, right? And, and, and in our life, this uncertainty or this unbelief, it should be expected because we live in a natural world. It just shouldn't be absorbed, right? It's, it, it, you're gonna, it's going to be, it's going to be offered uncertainty and, 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 um, Unbelief is something that's offered. The adversary is trying to offer us a bribe. Just don't absorb it. Please don't absorb it. See, because if you take this counterfeit nourishment from the adversary, it's going to attract something that you don't want called hate. So if I take on the nourishment of uncertainty and unbelief, as soon as I start, I start not believing God, well, now I have to, that, 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 that starts to move me away from his presence. Because my faith and my belief keeps me into his presence. And as soon as I start to move away, I create a crack, a doorway. And in that doorway, the adversary, you know, now now he tries to offer this counterfeit nourishment. And, and now, once I start taking in uncertainty and fear, there, there's, there's a scent that I 
uh, that I, uh, how can I, what do you call it? Uh, what am I trying to say? That I, uh, no, no, it's a scent that comes out, it's coming out of you, but I'm trying to find a word. What? Exude? Look, Wisconsin, exude, <laughs> exude, that's good. All right, we go with that. <laughs> I didn't realize I was so close to Wisconsin. Like a half hour. All right, so anyway, so, so, uh, so, so this scent that we exude because we've taken on fear and unbelief, um, it, it, uh, uh, it attracts hate. And see, hate is the army that attacks God's promises. Hate is the army that attacks God's promises. It's like, well, I've seen people hating. But see, I, I've, I've attracted it because I've taken on fear, right? Remember the movie with uh, uh, animals would only attack you if you was in fear, when they smelled fear, <laughs> right? I forgot the, the movie. Um, and so it's interesting. Jesus said, you know, uh, they hated me, so of course they're going to hate you in John 15, uh, uh, 18 through 19. But, but I learned this a while ago. Hate is the armor of unbelief. Hate is the armor of unbelief. And so, so when we start to operate in this, you know, when people start hating on you and stuff like that, um, what they're saying is, I don't want to consider believing you. So I have to devalue you in my sight. See, I don't want to consider believing you, so I have to devalue my sight. I don't want others to believe you either, so I have to discredit you in their sight. And, and so, so, so now you're, 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 all this is because you opened up the door to unbelief and just didn't trust God on his promises. You believe what man can do unto you uh, was greater than God's ability to deliver you and to move you to what he said he was going to do. And so this happens, this has been happening through life um, when we cross over. See, what is, why, why would I envy what's happening in somebody's life? God keeps his promises. So if he kept his promises for Jason, he'll keep his promises for me. So why do I need to envy? Why do I need to hate? See, that, there's a fear and unbelief in me. I don't believe God's going to come through for me. So now I'm envying, hating Jay, so I want to reduce Jay down to my level of comfort in my pain. That's why we say hurting people hurt others, right? And so, so we got to get past this. We got to get past this unbelief place. Look at Acts 17. You know that feeling when somebody's getting blessed, you'd be like, man. They done got the blessing. Almost like <laughs> it can't happen for you. Yeah, we grow it at the church. So, you know, yeah, so, so somebody gets hired. You're like, man, man, got the job. Like God can't create another job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Bam. You know, no. That's not how it works, man. You want to value it, right? So Acts 17.5, it says, but the Jews which believe not, keyword what? which believed not, moved with envy and took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. 
And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rules of the city, crying, These have turned the world upside down and are come hither also, whom Jason has received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And, and they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and the others, they let them go. So here, they were so busy hating because Jason and them was talking about Jesus. And, and Jason and them was actually awakening them to God's promises, reconnecting them to God's promises to Jesus. And that's, that was messing up all the work that people had, had did to conform to what Caesar and them had established. See, up to that point, their flow was, I just want to please Caesar. Anything to do to please Caesar, he may, throw, he may give a dog a bone. Now, Jason and them was like, you ain't got to go through that. You can gain an inheritance through Christ. <laughs> right? And, and, and they said they turned the city upside down because now all these people that spent so much time um, uh, alienating their families, uh, uh, hating on people, walking over people, sabotaging other people's opportunities, now is finding out you ain't had to do all that. But they wanted to legitimize all their energy and all their effort in compromise. So if this is true, I burned a whole lot of bridges unnecessarily. So, so when, you, when, you, when you embrace the reality of what God is really doing in our life, he keeps his promises, and you may realize that you haven't always done it right, man, just cut your losses. Just embrace the fact that, hey, God, man, I, I, I cheated through this whole process, and I didn't have to. Please forgive me. And let God resurrect you from there, right? As opposed to, well, I've committed to hating. I've committed to sabotaging. So I'm going to ride this thing <laughs> No, that's not, that's, that, that is not healthy. It's, the scripture says that uh, even, they said they limited the Holy One of Israel through their unbelief in Psalm 78, uh, verse 41. Even when, remember when Jesus was going to heal and they was laughing, he was going to resurrect, it was Lazarus, they left laughing. Uh, when um, Paul was going to, uh, Healed Tabitha. He removed the unbelievers. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't have that spirit around when you're trying to exercise the promises of God. It's Acts 9.40 is when um, Paul was trying to heal Tabitha. I was watching this movie a long time ago <clears throat> and um, called The Adjustment Bureau. I don't know if you ever saw it, but interesting about the interesting thing about the movie is in the movie, everybody has a path, right? And so the, one of the guys got off the path. <laughs> like, like there was a, it was a, a destined purpose, and he got off the path. So these uh, behind the scenes, the adjustment bureau would keep people back on line of path. So if you're supposed to catch the bus and you didn't catch the bus, somehow or another they would create a delay so you catch that bus anyway, if you're supposed to meet that particular person. And they had this, uh, they had, had these composition notebooks, but it had each path. So, so the way, uh, so this one guy actually saw behind the scenes. Like one day he was going through a room and he saw like all these people moving and he's like, who are these people? But it was like, almost like, <laughs> it was like people behind the scenes of your life orchestrating everything you need to do. 
So, so, when, so he meets the guy that was assigned to him. And the guy, um, the guy did something crazy, like spilled coffee on him so he would have to change his path and get back on path. And when he finally started talking to him, he says, man, what are you guys? And what are you doing? He says, well, my job is I'm here to keep you on plan. And I think that's, what, that's why God's assigns angels and different men and women to God in our life to keep us right on path to his promises. But we have something in us that sometimes pulls us off of believing God's promise. Like we choke. We got choke. Like, you know what I mean by choke? Like, I, can, ah, I don't think I can do that. Ah, I think that's too much. Ah, no, no. In this season coming up, let God show you all that he wants to do. And I know it's hard to take. You ever... Uh, um, you ever receive a blessing that you wanted, but it just seemed like it was just too much? Like sometimes it's just like you didn't, you didn't know how to, you didn't know what to do. It's just, it was just overwhelming. You know, and then let's say when you get that blessing, that's overwhelming. But right behind that, God sent another blessing. And then right behind that, sent another, another blessing. And right behind that, he sent another blessing. What are you tempted to do? That's enough. You're saying that's enough in that moment, but that's not enough for where you're going. So you got to take it all. And, and, and just like we have to, apart from him, we can do nothing. We always take that scriptures to say, apart from him, I can't pick up this or speak this way or sing. Apart from him, you're not going to be able to embrace all that he wants to give you. Because in our own strength, we'll choke, we'll reject Everything that God's given you, not knowing is not just for you, right? We have to get to a point where our cup is running over. Lives are at stake, right? We have to embrace God keeps his promises and just let him pour it on you, <laughs> right? Just let him pour it on you. I said, 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 9, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 9. We're going to end here. I just want to read this with this in mind. This is the Amplified version of verses 6 to 11. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 11, the Amplified version. It says, remember this, he who sparingly and grudgingly, so reaps sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, look, that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or, or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in giving. And God is able to make all grace, look, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, look, under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. 
as it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And God, who provides seed for the sower, bread for the eater, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Thus, you will be enriched in all things in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity, as it is, administered by us, will bring forth thanksgiving to God. How this lines up with God keeps his promises, if you read through that, it said self-sufficient. God's desire is for you to be self-sufficient. Now, most of us in this room and watching has never been self-sufficient in our lives. What God calls self-sufficient. We call it, I'm not talking about what we're willing to settle for, because it goes on to say self-sufficient is providing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation, in a position to do whatever God needs you to do at any time. And never think about, I need help. Well, I can't do that because I need this. I can't do that. This is what it's saying. And, and, and it talks about the benevolent person and kindness. And then at the end it said, thus you will be enriched in all things in every way. So why would you be enriched in all things? Why is God keeping his promises and pouring things out? It says, so that you can be generous. And why does he want you generous? So your generosity as it is, administered by us, will bring forth thanksgiving to God. People that are impacted by God's people's generosity, thank God. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. And, and the people that really get it have been living out God's promises and because of the, the, the impact of the promises in their lives, it's impacted others' lives who are doing what? Thanking God. If you think about some of the things that God's been doing in your life recently, Unless you, you're really just so naive and it's so about you and, well, you know, because I prayed seven times a day and because of how I go to church and, well, you know, because if, if you like that, then, you know, you're going to be dealing with temporary stuff anyway. But if you really, really, really understand that, that apart from him, you can do nothing and there's no competency in yourself, then all you're doing is thanking God all day. Like every, every, when, when you walk around your house, thank you, Lord. When you get in your car, thank you, Lord. When you, when you drive and when you look at your family, thank you, Lord. That's all you're doing is think. You're not going, well, you know, I, I knew I was good. This was, man, stop. Because you ain't know nothing. Thank you, Lord. That's all you can say. Like, I, this is all I do all day. Like, I just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank, every, every time I'm doing something, I'm just, thank you, Lord. And again, I, I, I want this for all of us, I ain't even got nothing compared to what God has in store. But just on the, the, the sprinkle, I'm not in the showers yet. I'm not in the showers yet, but I'm in the sprinkle. I'm at the sprinkle level. Man, I'm thanking God for every sprinkle. Like, it's phenomenal for me because, again, 
when you've been thirsty in the desert or your entire life, the sprinkle was like, you know, <laughs> you feel like you're in a shower. <laughs> you feel like you're in a shower. <laughs> you know, like, you know so, so, so in the season of Thanksgiving, I think, that's why I didn't change the message, I just think I keep God's, uh, knowing God, uh, God saying I keep my promises and really embracing the reality of why he keeps his promises and how it's going to impact our lives and impact others' lives, and I always say thank you. So some of what's happening around, because there's a lot of things happening around some of you, God's just scratching the surface. And the only reason he scratched the surface is because of how we are. Like, if, if we was embracing his promises the whole time, he could just pour out the whole shower at one time. But Jesus, well, we struggling with the sprinkles. <laughs> You know, just embracing the sprinkles. So, so he's kind of, you know, he's, he's, turning the, he's turning the shower on, but he ain't pulling on full blast. You know, like when the, if the water's hot, you turn it on a little bit till you get used to it, <laughs> and then you can turn it on full blast. So, so just, uh, that's all for today, um, this Thanksgiving season. Just realize, let's thank God that he keeps his promises.